Zombie purists may be appalled. Not only do O'Bannon's breed run, they also speak, memorably wiping out waves of policemen only to get on the radio and request reinforcements. But O'Bannon isn't interested in purism. Instead, he was interested in subverting the conventions and tropes already established by Romero and embellishing them with left-field plot turns and a punkish anything-goes attitude that papers over the film's many uneven patches. If you don't believe us, witness Leanna Quigley's infamous naked graveyard dance number, if you dare. Essential, enormous fun. Hey, gays and ghouls, I'm Sean Reedy. And I'm Katie Tool. And this is Friday Night Frights. A podcast about shitty summer jobs, punk rock, and brains. <laughs> <laughs> Living brains. My <laughs> brains. More brains. More brains. <laughs> that's it. That's the that's the whole podcast. That's, we're just going to do that for an hour. All right, gays and ghouls. <laughs> Sean just almost made me spit the shock tail all over the equipment. That's great. <laughs> this is why you don't, why you don't drink in Sean. <laughs> this is a very exciting day, my friends. Mm-hmm. Because today we are, I am actually shocked it took us this long to get here. I'm a little shocked about it too, actually. Right. The fact that I didn't demand we do this movie immediately. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's an impressive feat. I mean. But we've saved it, you know been almost a year yeah yeah um we are in fact discussing return of the living dead which is one of my favorite movies of all time and it truly is like it is just a great movie. it's a great movie it's hilarious it's got drama it's got laughs <laughs> does, it's got... It have, does it have drama <laughs> i mean <laughs> i mean you know relatively dramatic considering <laughs> i mean i mean yeah i mean it's yeah. dramatic situation oh for sure. this is this is the de- there is the definition of drama that happens in here that's <laughs> true there are some of these characters that i'm like how are you are you not having a heart attack right now because you are going off <laughs> that's true you are doing the most <laughs> the most it's a lot of big choices in this movie big choices <laughs> <laughs> lots of screaming <laughs> i mean in fairness I mean, there's there. I there would, are reasons. <laughs> there are reasons to panic. For those of you who don't know, Return of the Living Dead was actually based on a book, but we're gonna say based on in quotes because the original plot of the book and the plot of the movie bear very little resemblance to each other. Um, that tracks. The book was written by John Russo, who was a co-writer on Night of the Living Dead with George Romero mm-hmm. and a co-producer like he was you actually he played one of the ghouls mm-hmm. you can see him I think that if you go back and listen to our Night of the Living Dead episode I actually like point out which which ghoul he was mm-hmm. um he's a lovely man I met him a couple of times at conventions mm-hmm. he sold me a signed copy of his out of print book for $20 which I like 
was hesitant to even accept. <laughs> I was like, do you know how much you can grip for this job? Um, he's like, what my fans? <laughs> right, yeah. He's just like, he's just this like, little guy who like drives from Pittsburgh all over the country. He like doesn't even fly. He drives. He's just very cute. Um, but he was a co-writer on Night of the Living Dead and a co-producer with Romero and Striner. Mm-hmm. whose name I finally know. And <laughs> he's actually the one who came up with the original, like, kernel of the idea of just, like, what if a guy just stumbles upon a bunch of people who are just eating human flesh and he doesn't know why? Right. Like, that was sort of his his little story idea that then Romero took and ran with. Right. Mm-hmm. Because Night of the Living Dead is very much Romero's. Very much so. However, if you have ever wondered why the word living is not in any of the Romero sequels. Oh, yeah. Why is... Why are the Romero sequels called Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, eventually we get Land of the Dead, and what was the other one? Diary of the Dead. And Russo's films have the word living in them. Because there was, as there often is, uh, creative differences Mm -hmm. after the movie came out of, like, where to take the series. Clearly, they went in two very different directions. (laughs) Very different. Um... And so they kind of, they had to work out. They're like, okay, well, we're not going to, we're not going to go forward together. So we have to work out the legalities here. Right. Russo got the rights to the term living dead. Where Romero just got like of the dead, essentially. Right. Like Romero was allowed to say the dead, but he was not allowed to say the living dead. Huh. Interesting. Which is why a lot of people think that this is actually the sequel to Night of the Living Dead. Right. Which it is in which it is not, really. No. It's a completely different series. Um it's a, totally different vibe. I mean I mean you could say you could you could loosely say like spiritual sequel. Definitely. Right. I mean but... they do they do reference the film. Yes. And they're like, that was a true story. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's it's kind of in the way that um, I feel like it would be like the way that Army of Darkness is a sequel to Evil Dead. Right. But like, yeah. not really. You know what I mean? Like, right. I think there might even be a stronger thread that like goes from Evil Dead to Army of Darkness than there is here. Right. Um, but, but that is why. Because Russo got the rights to the term living dead. Interesting. Um, And so he took it and he wrote a novel and then eventually, and then he started making movies as well. They decided they were going to make a movie out of his Return of the Living Dead book. Right. Dan O'Bannon was brought in to add some polish to the script. And he was also um, offered the directing job. And he had never directed anything before. This is, in fact, a directorial debut. 
Really? Mm-hmm. I mean, solid start. Mm-hmm. So why did they bring in this guy and, uh, you know, to put polish on the script and also offer him the director's chair? Mm-hmm. Dan O'Bannon wrote Alien. So, like... There you go. Had some clout. Yeah. <laughs> a smidge. You know, just a, a slight classic that we still have yet to discuss. Right. We need to do that one as well. Yeah. On the list. They're just... They just proliferate. I feel like yeah. every time we do one, every time we make an episode, we, we talk about like two or three more movies. It's like a hydra of movies that we need to, we can, but that's just means we can keep doing the podcast longer. Exactly. It's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, O'Bannon agreed to take the directing job provided he could make this movie absolutely nothing like Night of the Living Dead. Which he did. He did. Mm-hmm. And that was like, that was literally his condition for taking the job. He's like, I want to, I want to have it be nothing like Night of the Living Dead. Yeah, I feel like he definitely succeeded on that with Mm -hmm. flying blood. (laughs) With neon 80s colors. Yes. Um, The movie was released in 1985. Uh, August 16th, 1985, I believe was the release date, uh, was made for about $4 million and made about 14 So, like, not bad. Moderate box office success. And really a, a pretty... It had a pretty good critic response as well. Like, a pretty mm. good critical response. Um you know, we tend to think of this movie now as like this cult classic because it is, but like it also like was it was fairly popular when it came out. So you want to know something fun too? What? This is only rated one percent lower than mm-hmm. *Night of the Living Dead* on Rotten Tomatoes <laughs> by critics. I mean, it's more fun. Yeah. It is a more fun film. Mm-hmm. And it also changed the zombie genre. Yeah, it did. It absolutely did. It created fast zombies. It created fast zombies and it created smart zombies. Uh-huh. So like no one is ever going to take the the mantle of creating the modern zombie movie away from Romero. No. Right? Not at all. You know. And Russo. Russo was in there too. And, and Russo, Strainer. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but what a lot of people don't know is that the idea that zombies eat brains specifically and the idea of zombies like moaning or speaking or like saying like brains like that mm-hmm. whole thing which is so strongly embedded in like our cultural conception of the zombie mm-hmm. came from this movie yep. there is not an earlier example of it mm-hmm. and doing that like added such a great element of humor to this film it did i mean Tarman is hilarious. Oh yeah. Send more paramedics is one of the funniest, mo- like funniest moments <laughs> in the history of horror film. Uh, yeah. Send I'm like more <laughs> paramedics. I think that should be the title of the episode. Though. Yes. But yeah, I mean this this movie. I I will argue. I will die on this hill. This movie is unironically great. Like yes, it is a good movie. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take itself very seriously which is part of the reason i like it mm-hmm. right um because when you think about it the subject matter is ridiculous <laughs> yes <laughs> right 
Um, but yeah, so we will get into uh, why I love this movie so much. But first, it is Shark Tale Hour. Ooh, that was a good one. That was a good one. Yeah. <laughs> that's the one. Maybe that's the one that I should like snip out and just use from now on. Yep. Um, put some kind of like cool effect on it. And if I can figure out how to do that. <laughs> Tonight's shock tale is called the Trioxin Twist. Mm-hmm. And it is one of my favorite shock tales we've ever made. It's poisonous. <laughs> <laughs> it sounded like a threat. Not really. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> I mean... Really, technically, technically, you know, you can poison yourself with alcohol if you drink none of it. Yes. Don't do that. The trioxin twist consists of a shot of hypnotic, the French liqueur, Uh a bright blue French liqueur, Uh, a shot of, I used pineapple orange juice. Uh Mm-hmm. You could probably also just go with pineapple juice and it would still be really tasty. Yeah. I just liked the little added bite of the orange in there. Um, But if you can't find that, pineapple juice will totally work. Mm -hmm. Uh, Half an ounce of dark rum. A half an ounce of vanilla vodka. And top it off with tonic water. And it has to be tonic water. Yes. Specifically. Mm. It cannot be um, like club soda. It can't be like a LaCroix from your fridge. It has to be tonic water because, my friends, this drink glows under black light. Yeah, it does. (laughs) Which is why it's my favorite. Yes. It's also very tasty. It is. But it is my favorite because it glows in the dark. Mm -hmm. When it actually, when I was testing it earlier today and it actually started glowing, I was like, like i i don't think i believed it was gonna work until i actually saw it with my own eyes you're like wait a minute here it actually worked it actually works yes um so yeah tonic water actually glows bright blue like electric blue Mm -hmm. under black light because it has quinine in it right um i don't know why quinine glows bright blue i'm not a chemist i couldn't tell you but for some reason some kind of molecular structure thing of quinine makes it glow bright blue under black light and so if you put tonic water in any drink it's gonna blow it's gonna it's gonna blow no it's not gonna do that it's gonna glow under black light which in my opinion makes this the absolute perfect halloween punch because it tastes like you're on the beach mm-hmm. right It's relatively low octane. Yeah. Like you've only got a half an ounce of the rum and the vodka and hypnotic isn't, isn't very high proof alcohol. No, it's not. So, you know, and if you wanted to like make it less so even, like if you wanted to make it in like a party punch size and you Mm -hmm. didn't want your guests to get like messy, you could just add more tonic water. Yeah. To like just dilute it a little bit. More tonic water and maybe even a little bit more juice. Or more juice. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I would do both, if anything, though. For sure, tonic water, but then maybe a little bit extra. Yeah, juice just too. so you. Because tonic water does have a taste to it. Yeah. Like it's it's not like just putting in regular water. Right. Um, 
in normal light, it's kind of this like sickly green color. Mm-hmm. Very much like the chemical is in the movie. And then Wait. if you switch on a black light, it glows blue. Yeah. So just saying, you get yourself a punch bowl. You get yourself some dry ice. You get yourself some a black light. It's oh, yeah. going to be a good time. Yep. Just make sure your guests do not drink the dry ice. Yeah, no, don't do that. Please don't. <laughs> Every time I suggest people put dry ice in a drink, I get nervous that they're just going to like <laughs> drink the dry ice. I'm like, no, no, no. Please don't do that. So Return of the Living Dead is set in Louisville, Kentucky. Which... Uh, I did not know. Yeah. Until I was reading about it to, for this episode. They don't mm-hmm. actually explicitly say it, I don't think, at any point in the film. They... So, because I just watched it. Okay. They do at the very end. At the very end. Yes. When the, Oh, like the news reports? It, the... When they're... Um, oh, no. When he's like, he's on the phone with the president. Yes. Or whoever he's talking whoever to. Whoever he's talking to. And he's like, yeah, in Louisville. Louisville, you're right. Kentucky. They do say it. Yeah. They do say it. I that's... also just watched it. Like, I have no excuse. <laughs> um, but that's the only and time And I've watched it a million it. times. But that is, yes. Okay, so that is the only time they say it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's based in Louisville, Kentucky. Mm-hmm. We are first introduced to uh, Frank mm-hmm. and Bert and Freddie. Yes. Oh, actually, no. I mean, we are. But the thing that we should say first is that the first thing you see is a title card that says that everything that you're about to see is true. Yes. <laughs> Which I'm like, wait a minute. Which is great. And it doesn't even say like, you know, names, events have been changed to protect the innocent. Like, no, 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 no. It's like, it says like, everything you're about to see is based on a true story all of the names and organizations are real or yeah. something like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, point and, blank, this is real. And then you immediately see the medical facility. You need a, you need a <laughs> medical supply. <laughs> like you motherfuckers. Well, and then there's the line when they're talking about Night of the Living Dead where Freddy goes, you mean the movie lied? <laughs> right. <laughs> And that's the actually in the credits when they're like replaying scenes. Mm-hmm. If you watch all the way to the end of the credits, that's the last little clip that you see. Oh, really? Is him saying, you mean the movie lied. And I think um, it's either Frank or Ernie like it says, it's a good question, Bert. And then it's like it repeats over and over and over, like echoes oh, into yes. the, and as it fades to black. Mm-hmm. So that is the first thing you see. Mm-hmm. And then you see you need a medical supply, which is the best. And inside are Frank and Bert and Freddie. Yes. Uh, Freddie has just gotten a summer job mm-hmm. as a stock clerk at this medical supply company. And mm-hmm. this is their warehouse. Bert is the owner of the company. Mm-hmm. And Frank is like the manager, right? He's somewhere right. between Freddie and Bert. Right. But he's worked for Bert for a very long time. They know each other very well. Mm-hmm. Like this is this is clear by their like relationship with each other. It is uh, July 3rd. Yes. It says at the beginning. Right. Um, so they're like. <laughs> I forgot that. I yep. was like, oh, yeah. They, they did mention dates. Yep. Well, yeah, because, you know, it's, if it's all a true story, then it's like, you know, it's documenting right, it's what's going like hour by hour. Almost. Yeah, yeah, the time and date. Um, so they're going to close up the medical supply uh, for the long weekend for mm-hmm. 4th of July. So Bert goes home. He leaves Frank and Freddie. Frank is sort of showing Freddie around, explaining the ins and outs of the medical supply business. 
showing him the skeletons. Mm-hmm. Which all come from India for some reason. And have perfect teeth. And have perfect teeth. Well. Perfect teeth. They don't all. Not all of them. But they're right. labeled as such if they right. do. Right, if they do. Because, I mean, if you have a choice. I mean, you're going to pay that premium for those perfect teeth. I mean, yeah. Shows him the split dogs for veterinary schools. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> Does the dog die.com. And <laughs> it's like, kind of? He was already dead. Yeah. <laughs> started off that way. It started off that way. So. So can you count that? I guess you can. Um, and, and this is important, the cadaver fridge. Yep. In which there is only one cadaver. Mm-hmm. Because as Frank puts it, it's kind of like the restaurant business. You don't want to leave any over the long weekend because you want your inventory to stay fresh. <laughs> as Freddie's just like staring there, like standing, staring at it with like, like, hi, this is a dead body. Deer in the headlights look on his face. And it's like being, it is also like being suspended from, I mean, I know nothing about this. Like, I don't know, like, if there would a medical supply company even actually sell cadavers or they go like directly from hospitals to school. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. But. For the plot. For the sake of the plot. The cadavers need it. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but they also like have him like hanging by a meat hook. Yep. <laughs> I don't know if that's how they store those. But. <laughs> Well, it was hanging by, like, the, like, and I guess it's technically hanging by, like, its ears is what it seems like. Like, there, it's the hook that, yeah, it, like, it seemed like it's going it's into like the ear into canal. It's, like, the ears, yeah, and that doesn't seem like it would be strong enough to hold either. Weird. It's just weird. It's weird. But you'd, anyway. You'd think that, like, anywhere else you would just store bodies in a... Right, like, yeah. In a drawer. Right, yeah, you're just, like, it laying down. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so Frank is, Frank is showing Freddy the rooms. It is at this point that we cut away from Frank and Freddy momentarily Mm -hmm. to meet the most inexplicable group of people ever committed to cinema. (laughs) Ever. Ever. I, I cannot explain this group. I don't know how they... I don't know how old they are. I don't know how they know each other. I don't know how, like, the the absolute, like, marshmallow puff of Tina ended up with all of these, like, hardcore punk rockers. I mean, it's great that she did. Like, awesome. Like... Right. Just because you're different doesn't mean you can't be friends. It's more that, like, some of them seem like they're teenagers and some of them seem like they're old enough to be, like, the teenagers' parents. Yes. And so you're just like... Where are we here? But there are, uh, how many are there? There's well, there's Tina. Mm-hmm. Tina is Freddie's girlfriend, mm-hmm. and she is like goody two shoes, like shirt buttoned all the way up. Yep. You know, scrunchies. You know, feathered hair. You're you're. Neon pink. Neon pink. Doesn't even swear, much right. less like drink or do drugs. Mm-hmm. Um, you're like archetype of the 80s good girl. Yep. Right? You have Tina. Then you have uh, Spider. Scuzz. Trash. Chuck and Casey. <laughs> Um, so they're trying to decide what to do for the evening. They're like, 
And they're all mad that everyone except Tina is mad that Freddie even got a job. Right. Because, <laughs> like, that's not very punk rock, apparently. And... <laughs> Working for the man. Right? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but so they decide that they're going to, when he gets off work, they're going to go pick him up and then they're all going to go somewhere and party. Right. Because Freddie always knows the best place to party. Mm-hmm. I love the wardrobe of every single person in this movie. Oh, yeah. They're all super unique in their own right. Yep. Even though they're, like, a lot of them are just, like, classic well not i don't want to say classic punks but they're they're to the punks to the nines punks to the nines for sure mm-hmm. um i actually have never had never noticed this until today but at the end of the movie freddie's bright red jacket that i always thought was a varsity jacket is not a varsity jacket it says fuck you on the back of it oh really it does when we get to that part pay attention oh to God, the jacket yes. So then we go back to Freddie and Frank. Freddie asks Frank what's the weirdest thing he's ever seen. Mm-hmm. Frank tells him that the iconic 1968 film, Night of the Living Dead, is in fact based on a true story. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's actually like an urban legend that Night of the Living Dead is based on a true story. Right. And I don't know if it was before this movie or not. I don't know. Right? Like, was it an urban legend already and that's why they decided to do it? Mm-hmm. Or is it an urban legend that it was true because of this movie? It could be a toss-up because, I mean, this movie has been out for a while, so... Right. I mean, yeah, it's been... Well, I mean... 45 years? No. No. 35. Thank you. 35. I math bad. <laughs> Came out the year before I was born. That's why I reacted that way. I, I sorry. Like, Excuse you. 55 years? <laughs> Stop taking away my decades. 75 years. <laughs> it's been 84 years. <laughs> uh, anyway. Um. However, they have a slightly different explanation as to why Night of the Living Dead happened mm-hmm. than in the original film. Because, as we discussed at length, even though the official party line is that an explanation is never given in Night of the Living Dead, right. they claim in the film that it's space radiation more than once. Yes, they do. In the universe of this film, it was a chemical. Mm-hmm. The chemical was called 2,4,5-trioxin. Yes. And it was being developed, for some reason, at a veterans hospital. Because <laughs> why not? Because why not? I mean, that's a good place for a lab. Yeah. <laughs> chemical lab. Um, in, in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. And there was a chemical spill, and it like got down into the morgue, and the bodies started animating. But it was contained, right? It was all that one day. So, like, all of the... You know, extra stuff about it turning into this, like, epidemic mm-hmm. was supposedly just, like, artistic license. Right. Right. But that this part, at least, the animated corpse has happened. And the reason he knows this is because when the army uh, captured these ghouls, put them into barrels, right. and shipped them off to be, you know, hidden somewhere, because, of course, there was a giant cover-up. 
They accidentally sent them to Unita Medical Supply in Louisville, Kentucky. <laughs> they got their, you know, got their wires crossed you know, a little it's bit. Just, it's just those zip codes, man. They do it every time. God you get the wrong it. zip code and then you're just fucked. <laughs> I'm like, out of all the things to fuck up. I mean, where we sent the zombies. It's a big fuck That's up. That's a big fuck up. And I mean, like, to be fair, they do address it. They do. They're they're working on it. They are. Yep. Yep. But, we uh, are uh, we are introduced at some well no, I guess that's a little bit later. Um a little bit later, yeah. Yeah. So Freddie's on the cusp of not believing Frank. He's like, mm-hmm. I think you're pulling my leg. Mm-hmm. And he's like, All right, you wanna see it? Mm-hmm. And they go down to the basement and sure enough. There they are. There they are. Barrels with bodies in them. Mm-hmm. At which point we get one of my favorite gags in the entire film. When Freddie says, these things don't leak, do they? (laughs) And Frank goes, are you kidding? These were made by the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. They're indestructible. And he smacks the side of it and it immediately bursts. And it's just like... (laughs) It is such a beautiful piece of comedic timing oh yeah it's just the delivery <laughs> they're like oh fuck now they're being sprayed by this chemical and they pass out and that's mm-hmm. that's sort of like when the movie starts right like right. that all of that was prologue this is where you get like the mm-hmm. the credits and everything can we just address really quick by the way i because i love first off i love how direct this movie is like in essentially shit talking the government oh 100 percent. like this is a giant a giant fucking pile of shit on the army. Mm-hmm. Yeah, big middle finger. Oh, yeah. I, I love how direct they are with the chemical. Oh, yeah. Because, oh, yeah. Right? Because, um, so, as as Katie mentioned, it's 2,4,5-trioxin. Mm-hmm. So, the chemical that this is based on mm-hmm. is 2,4,5-T-dioxin. Yep. I mean, can you get closer? Which, mind you... This chemical is Agent, Agent Orange. Orange. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and this was 1985. Right. So like the Agent Orange controversy at this point was raging. Yep. I mean like people protesting in the streets level of raging. Mm-hmm. At like what did you do to us? What did you spray us with? What is this shit? Right. What's weird is like an agent okay so agent orange if you don't know i suppose we should maybe like like small history lesson agent orange uh is a uh like an herbicide Mm -hmm. right i guess that was used very heavily during the vietnam war because the vietnam war unlike previous wars that america had been involved in largely was fought almost entirely in a jungle Mm -hmm. and America was a very, like, airplane-heavy military. Yep. And they couldn't see anything because of the jungle. And the Viet Cong, which is, you know, the group that they were fighting, mm-hmm. had a very great advantage because they knew these jungles so well and the Americans right. didn't. So they were like, well, fuck it. We're just going to essentially get rid of these jungles by either burning them or spraying them with this shit. Uh-huh. Um, and... So they just like, they just crop dusted the entire goddamn country Yeah. with this chemical. 
Um, and uh, it causes hideous, hideous health defects mm-hmm. or health, not health defects, um, health effects, right? Right. For both the U.S. soldiers that breathed it in mm-hmm. and then also the people of Vietnam. Right. Because it got into the ground. It got into the water. It mm-hmm. got in, like... I saw a documentary once that's like... It literally altered the D- people's DNA. Mm-hmm. Which is why there are still people who are being born with birth defects caused by Agent Orange, even though it's been 50 years. Right. And... um also, they like did soil samples, and it was something insane, like fifty or sixty feet down, they could still find traces yep. of Agent Orange. So it was bad news bears. I mean, this was, and at this point, like I said, in nineteen eighty-five, this controversy was raging because then, of course, the government tried to cover it up, and they're like, "No, no, 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 none of this being Agent Orange is fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's safe. None of this is being caused by this. Y'all are just crazy." Um, so it does make sense the way that the military is portrayed as handling this crisis Mm -hmm. makes sense in the context of Agent Orange, especially for, uh, John Russo, who was in the military. Right. During Vietnam. Mm -hmm. I don't know if he deployed, but... I think he might have. Savini did. Yeah. Yep. But anyway, yeah. So, yeah, that is it's 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 not subtle. No. Let's be clear. Nothing about this film is subtle. <laughs> Subtlety I I, was not what they were going for. I feel like you know it's it's got some. I think it's got some nuance. Yeah. Some. There's some there's some hinting <laughs> I to disagree. some things. <laughs> there might be a zombie apocalypse that might be happening soon. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. Right. Um <laughs> So now Frank and Freddie are passed out on the floor of the basement. Mm-hmm. Oh, and we should mention the absolutely gorgeous shot of the body in the barrel melting. Oh yes! Like if that doesn't catch you, mm-hmm. I don't know what would. Yeah, yeah, beautifully done. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're passed out. We switch back to the group who have now picked up another guy mm-hmm. called Suicide, because of course he is. Right. Um, who they really only hang out with because he has a car, <laughs> because he's kind of an asshole. So he's driving them to go pick up Freddy. They get there and they're like. Oh, he's not off for another, like, two and a half hours. (laughs) And we don't think we should go in there because, like, look at us. His boss would probably be like, what the fuck? So, Mm -hmm. they decide they're going to go play in the cemetery. Yeah, totally. Which, like, you know, I probably would too, in fairness. But, (laughs) we like, we can go hang out in there. So, they're hanging out in the cemetery. We go back to Frank and Freddy. It's at this point that things begin to escalate very quickly. Yep. So, they wake up. And they're like, that sucked. They look in the barrel. The body's gone. They're like, oh, it must have melted. Because it looked, I mean, it looked like It looks it like it's melting. Yeah, yeah, like you, you are led to believe that that body's gone. Yep. That that body is gone. 
until the big reveal. Mm-hmm. So the slight problem is that the vapor from the chemical has gotten into the ventilation system of the building. Yep. Specifically into the fridge. So they go back upstairs and they hear a dog. Like, wait a minute. And they realize that the split dog is whimpering, which is slightly alarming for them. And then they hear banging coming from the cadaver fridge. Right. Which is even more alarming. And one of my one of my favorite shots actually in the movie is they do a, a reverse shot back to them like staring back to I think Freddy staring at the door mm-hmm. to the cadaver fridge and you can see the um, mounted butterflies and their wings are moving. Yes. <laughs> I fucking so it's love like that. literally everything that yes. was dead in this place has been reanimated, mm-hmm. which is great. They come to understand that the cadaver in there has been reanimated by the chemical. Right. And they're like, well, fuck. So they lock him in the they lock him in the fridge, which was a smart thing to do. Really should have stopped there. And uh-huh. <laughs> a lot of things could have been avoided if they had just kept him in there. A lot of things could have been avoided if they just called the fucking number on the side of the fucking barrel. It said, "Call in case of emergency." That's true. You know, when it was just the when it was just the ones in the warehouse, they might not have taken such extreme measures. Uh huh. That's true. We we should mention that there's a number that specifically specifically says call in case of emergency on the side of the barrel. I'm like, and they elect not to call that. Yes. They also elect not to call the police. I should say Frank elects. Mm-hmm. Freddie's like, we should call the police, and he's like, we're not calling the police, and then he's like, we should call the number on the barrel, and he's like, we're not calling the number on the barrel. He's like, okay, so what are we gonna do? And he's like, we're gonna call Bert. <laughs> we're gonna do the worst idea possible. I mean. We're gonna well, follow I mean, through. Really, Bert had the worst idea possible. That's true. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna call the person that has, has the worst, worst idea. idea. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> in the interim, we have been introduced to Colonel Glover, mm-hmm. who lives somewhere on the West Coast because uh, they show his time in Pacific time, right? And there are palm trees. Mm-hmm. Um. So California, probably. Yeah, I believe it's somewhere in California. <laughs> and. Uh, it is his job to find these missing corpses. Mm-hmm. This is his entire job. He has all of this equipment set up in his house with like radars and like he has to he has to check in everywhere he goes so that they could reach him anywhere. Yep. Right? Because this is before cell phones, so <laughs> you needed a fucking supercomputer in your house to right. be able to be reached twenty four seven. Um his wife does not like the supercomputer. No, it messes with her oven. It does. She can't microwave things. <laughs> Maybe we'll never find them. So what I love about this is the fact that they're still looking for them not only means that they didn't call the number on the side of the barrel mm-hmm. when it broke, but that they also didn't call the number on the side of the barrel when they received the barrels. Nope. They said, haha, these keeping are mine these. Now. Yeah. <laughs> these are fucking cool. Yeah. <laughs> 
Which, like, I mean, I don't know. I mean, fair, but also, you know the government's looking for them. Right. You have to know. So they call Bert. We both go back to the cemetery for what is one of, the, one of, if not the most famous scene in the movie. Mm-hmm. For sure. They're all sitting around. They're shooting the shit. Mm-hmm. I don't remember if it had already happened mm-hmm. or if it happens in, in the, in the graveyard, in the cemetery. Um, but trash mm-hmm. there, she's having a conversation mm-hmm. and specifically mentions that the worst way that she could imagine dying is being surrounded by a bunch of old men and Ends up getting eaten by them. Oh, yeah. So that's actually... That's right before she takes off her clothes. Yes. So that happens in the cemetery. Okay. Yep. That's actually... That happens at this point. Mm-hmm. She begins having this conversation... She begins having this conversation with nobody. Like... Right. No one answers her. Uh-huh. I mean, like, Spider's like, I don't know. I don't think about dying that much. And then she just goes off on the soliloquy about how... <laughs> the worst way she could possibly die. Um, I'm like, okay. She's, All right. You know, she's a little... <laughs> She's like, hey, I just wanted to throw some foreshadowing in here. <laughs> trash is trash is like if the darkest Billie Eilish song was a human. That's what trash is. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> yep. I'm not wrong. So she says that the worst way she can think of to die is if like she's surrounded by old men and they start to eat her. Mm-hmm. And then she says... First, they'd rip off my clothes. And she starts ripping her clothes off. And Chuck goes, everyone get over here. Trash is taking her clothes off again. Uh-huh. <laughs> which implies that she does this a lot. Which which also, also we need to acknowledge that uh, if I'm not mistaken, I don't remember who asks it, but um, but suicide is bringing along fucking flares. And you're like, why? Yeah. And he gets asked why, and he doesn't really give an answer. No, 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 no. This is why. <laughs> because he immediately lights the flares and oh, puts yeah. them get towards some, her. <laughs> yeah, get some light over here. Get I'm some like, light over here. Huh? Okay. So yeah, she rips everything off except her leg warmers, which I love. Yep. Uh-huh. <laughs> she's wearing nothing but leg warmers. And she's like dancing up on the, uh, on, on a, like, uh, tomb. Yes. Right, like on a on a sort of sarcophagus sarcophagus looking thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're having a grand old time. Bert has shown up at the warehouse, and is remarkably calm about the whole thing. Oh yeah, like he doesn't seem particularly perturbed. In fact, that the bodies are alive, he's just worried about his business. Yep, because God forbid anything else is more important than the business. Your money, sir. Yes. Uh, so. They're trying to come up with solutions. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, in the movie, if you destroyed the brain, they died. Mm-hmm. So they're like, okay, so we need to destroy the brain. So the decision is made that they're going to let it out. <laughs> mistake number four? Yeah. We're up I to mean... mistake number four, I think. Like catastrophic mistake number four. Yes. yes. <laughs> but I love is Bert. In fairness, they did cause the mess. They did cause it. Mm-hmm. But he's like, 
okay, Freddie opened the door. Frank, you're going to be in it. I'm going to be over here. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, away from it. Uh-huh. But then Freddie opens the door, and the thing just makes a beeline straight from birth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Naked and hungry. Naked and hungry. A little, little yellow. Probably all the, the iodine from being cleaned. Yes. But, um, so they managed to wrestle it off Bert. And they get it to the ground. And he takes a pickaxe, buries the thing right in his head. Mm-hmm. And this does nothing. And they're like, well, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> this is a problem. <laughs> and this is when we get the line that Freddie says, you mean the movie lied. Yes. Because they were like, this worked in the movie. And he's right. like, you mean the movie lied? So then they're like, okay, what can we do? If that won't kill it, what will? How do you kill something that's already dead? Mm-hmm. Right. Do we dissolve it in acid? No, that might, you know, that doesn't going to destroy it completely. Yada, yada, yada. They go through this whole conversation. At yeah. which point. We make it to mistake number five. Yeah. <laughs> or at least the thought process of mistake number five. Right. True. In fairness, they, they couldn't have foreseen. I. Give them that. Like, with the information they had, mm-hmm. it was a relatively good solution. Right. Just kind of backfired on them. But. <laughs> Immensely. Very much so. <laughs> so. He looks across the street to the cemetery. And sees that. His buddy, who works at the mortuary, Mm -hmm. the, the, you know, the undertaker for the cemetery, is still at work. And -hmm. he's like, here's what we're going to do. They have a crematorium. We're going to go over there and we're going to convince this guy to burn it up. Right. It should be noted that this guy's name is Ernie. (laughs) And they've been friends for 25 years. Uh Uh-huh. Bert and Ernie. (laughs) In case you were wondering... Whether or not the humor in this movie is intentional. <laughs> they named two characters, Bert and Ernie. Point proven. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. So they cut the body up for some reason and uh, take it over there. Right. And actually, Casey sees them doing it. Yep. And is like, is that Freddy? And Chuck's like... No, it's not Freddy. Why Why would Freddy be going into the mortuary? So they go in. Ernie is your classic, like, you know, casual around dead bodies stereotype in a movie of, like, an undertaker or yeah. something, right? Um, so they go in, and at first he tries to lie and say that they're, like, rabid weasels. <laughs> And he's like, so we're just going to burn him alive. And Ernie objects to that, as w- as one would. Right. He's like, how about you let me just, like, take like, her? Yeah, and... I've got, like, this little twenty-two. I could just kill them. Right. And they're like, oh, that's not going to work. And it's... So finally they break down. They tell him the truth. Mm-hmm. And he's like, okay, fine. I'll do it. We'll burn up the body. I'll set this thing on the highest setting it'll go. There will be nothing left. Right. Up it goes. In flames. Smoke goes out the chimney. And then it starts raining. Yeah. Which is unfortunate. Some solid timing there, Mother Nature. (laughs) (laughs) Because the rain 
just manages to spread the chemical mm -hmm. all over the cemetery. So they've gotten rid of the body. And now it's raining. But Frank and Freddy are clearly very ill. Mm -hmm. And have been poisoned by whatever they were exposed to. Yes. It, that was in that tank with the body. So they decide they're going to take him to the hospital, but they're too sick for even that. So they're like, we'll just call paramedics. Right. So they call the paramedics. Paramedics show up. They start taking vitals and they don't have any. <laughs> <laughs> nope. They have no blood pressure. They have no pulse. Their temperature is room temperature. <laughs> I love when the paramedics like switch because <laughs> they think their equipment's malfunctioning. So they're like, hold on, switch with me. <laughs> and they're like, wait a minute. Mine's malfunctioning too. Right? Wait a minute. And they're so and they explained to them that like technically, functionally, you're not alive. Right. But you're conscious and you're talking to us. So that can't be. Right. But because... we're gonna have to take you to the hospital. So we're taking you to a hospital. Right, because we don't know what the fuck. Right. Something's very wrong <laughs> here. They go out to get their gurneys mm -hmm. and They are actually among the first to be eaten by the newly, yep. by the newly unburied mm -hmm. um, corpses in the cemetery. All the kids, if they are kids, are <laughs> still in the cemetery and this rain burns, right? Mm -hmm. So they decide to take shelter in the medical warehouse. So Tina has gone to the warehouse already. Mm -hmm. To look for Freddy. Yes. And she's looking around and she hears something down in the basement. Mm. Tina goes down in the basement and she sees the barrel, which is open. Right. Even though Freddy and Frank closed it. Uh-huh. Which could possibly be a continuity error. But I, I think the idea is that he was supposed to have opened well, it. Well, there's also a wet handprint there's on the lid. Handprint. That's true. Uh -huh. That's true. Very true. Um... And she hears rustling, and she turns around and sees the tar man, mm -hmm. who is the one of the best like zombie monsters uh, ever. Ever, mm -hmm. he's so great, and he's the first one we hear talk mm -hmm. because the cadaver doesn't say anything. He no. screams, but it's unintelligible. Mm -hmm. It's Tarman that says brains. Yep. And like a whole, like I said, a whole, a whole like piece of our cultural imagination was born when Tarman said brains. Yep. Brains. <laughs> <laughs> this is also the first time, and in fairness, because Tarman is so decomposed, he's not very fast. No, he's not. Some of them are very fast. Mm -hmm. He's not because he's kind of wobbly, mm -hmm. right? Because he's like, Basically a skeleton. Right. He's a, he's a gooey skeleton, essentially. Yeah. Um, but Tina barricades herself in like a, a storage cabinet thing. Mm -hmm. And he rigs up a wench. Right. To try to rip the door off. And that's what I'm saying when I say that like the zombies in this one are smart. Uh -huh. Right? Like. The idea where he was like, oh, I can get her out of here with this. 
Right. Instead of just, like, trying to just, like, attack like just, the door. Right. I mean, like, it was just in, in a lot of... In, like, the Romero movies, for example, at least the early Romero movies, eventually, like, there was this idea with the Romero sort of, like, overall arc that, like, the dead were evolving, kind of. Mm-hmm. And by, like, Land of the Dead, they became kind of smarter. Yes. But in the first couple, it was just the sheer number of them. Yep. Like, one was easy to take out. Mm-hmm. Right? It was the sheer number of them that were just, like, pressing against the door that would break it down. Mm-hmm. Not, like, anything specific that they, like did that in- involved any kind of thought right right but yeah so he's he's wenching the door off when the others running from the rain run in hear her screaming and go downstairs yep um at which point we have our first well non-zombie i guess we have to count the, the cadaver as our first official death but right. he was already dead so our first our first door death that wasn't already dead mm-hmm. and it is of course poor suicide who immediately gets eaten. Yeah, just gets a big old chunk of <laughs> chunk of skull ripped off. Of yep. Um, but they manage to rescue Tina and everyone else, except for Suicide, makes it out of the basement. And they decide to uh, barricade him in and get out of the warehouse, which is the right decision. <laughs> yes. Like, at this point, that decision was too late. Right. But, like barricading the ghoul in and then getting out before there are more ghouls mm-hmm. would have been the right decision. Just saying. Um, they decide they're going to run to the mortuary because they were, they were like, maybe we did see Freddy going in there. Right. Let's go there. So now they're running through the cemetery mm-hmm. and they see that the bodies are popping out of the graves. Uh-huh. And this is my absolute favorite moment. Because the first body they see pop out of the grave is a fully skeletonized corpse with eyes. <laughs> because that's how it works. This is how I can I try to convince people to watch this film. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you need to watch this movie. It has a skeleton that has eyes. <laughs> skeleton pops out of the ground. He not only has eyes, he has eyelids. Yeah. He pops out of the ground and opens his eyes. Yep. Like, and then he opens his mouth and, like, do you want a party starts. It's just, like, the music. Oh, the music in this movie is everything. The, this is such a good soundtrack. Such a good soundtrack. Um, One of the, like, one of the small presses that do vinyl mm-hmm. have this. And it's, like, it's one of those where, like, the vinyl is, like, you know, purple and green, like... Blot, you know like splatter that's got to be like waxwork or mondo or something like that one i don't those, know one of those. Yeah. it might be waxwork it might yeah. be waxwork um but yeah i want it so bad so so good um but anyway <laughs> so they're running through the ce- uh, cemetery get, trying to get away from the like newly unburied mm-hmm. corpses um and of course trash gets tripped up and eaten by a bunch of old men yep fulfilling her worst nightmare yep it just happens and i was like mm. <laughs> right you're just like well <laughs> like yeah there it is that there. sucks 
There she goes. Oh, sorry. I did not expect her to go that quickly, but it, and I mean, it ends up making sense. But Right. Yeah, yeah, because, you know, she comes, she comes back. Around, she does. Literally. Um, so, Chuck and Casey actually run back to the medical supply right. at this point. Mm-hmm. So now we're down to Scuzz, Tina, and Spider mm-hmm. running to the mortuary. Right. And, you know, Ernie lets them in. Mm-hmm. And they explain that... The bodies are popping out of the graves outside. Mm-hmm. And Ernie's like, oh, fuck. They're like, all right, we need to get out of here. Where did the paramedics go? Ernie goes out to find the paramedics. He finds... <laughs> one of them being feasted on by a torso. Right. Comes back in and is like, oh, fuck. <laughs> the paramedics are dead. Um, the zombies have called for backup for the paramedics. Yes. <laughs> and more paramedics. <laughs> and so they decide, as everyone does in every zombie movie, to just barricade themselves inside. Mm-hmm. And I think my favorite thing about this movie is that people keep showing up to re- rescue them and then just immediately get eaten. Oh, immediately. <laughs> yeah. Like, hey, there they go. <laughs> just... There's one point where there's like a zombie who's dressed as a cop or maybe yes. it's like one of the cops yep. that is now zombified. And he's like, he has like a, like a little like flare or something and he's like signaling the other cops and they get out of the car and they're like, Hey, bud, what's going on? And then they just all come in from the trees. <laughs> and it's just like 50 of them descend upon these guys. Oh, my God. It's so funny. It's such a funny movie. Um, so they're boarding everything up. They manage to break through at one point. Yes. And kill Skuz. Mm-hmm. Um, and they actually... They actually managed to kind of like uh, commandeer a zombie. Yes. Right. Yeah. Because like, when they're pulling Scuzz back in, it's it's attached it's, to him. Like yeah. it's the one that's eating him. And so, but she's almost entirely skeletonized. So they yes. just like hack through her spine. Yep. And and like carry her into the room and tie her down, because Ernie wants to interview her. <laughs> And, I mean, he does. It's smart move. Yeah. They, like, know things that they didn't know before. Right. It's kind of too late at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, but she tells them, because they can talk, that being dead is painful. Mm-hmm. That you can feel yourself decomposing. And that, for whatever reason, the only relief comes from consuming human brains. Right. Which doesn't make any sense at all, but at least there's at least somewhat of an explanation. None whatsoever. Well, the first part does. Like, the idea that it would hurt, perfect sense. Absolutely. Like, of course it would. Mm -hmm. Like, if you're sentient, right, like, it, of course it would hurt. That makes sense. Why brains would fix it? (laughs) No sense whatsoever. But, you know, like, there, there needs to be, like, you know, 
the zombies have to want to eat you mm -hmm. for them to be scary. Like, yes, the idea of a reanimated corpse just on its own is scary, but, like, they have to be a direct threat to you in order for zombie movies to work, yep. right? So they need to come up with some reason as to why the zombies want it. <laughs> He's like, Ernie, like, ties her down. He's like, why do you eat people? <laughs> Very direct. <laughs> I mean, straight to the point. Straight to the point. Why do you eat people? <laughs> so they decide that if they're going to wait it out, that they should sequester... Frank and Freddy. Yes. Because it's clear that, you know, once you're turning into one of these things, that you're no longer who you were before. Yeah. Right. Things definitely aren't looking good for them. Mm -hmm. So. So. They. For they lock them in the chapel mm -hmm. of the funeral home and Tina refuses to leave freddy so she stays in there too <laughs> choices <laughs> i love my my brain going to the chapel <laughs> and we're gonna be a zombie <laughs> <laughs> um in the meantime we see Trash reanimate mm -hmm. into this awesome. Okay, zombie trash would be a great Halloween costume. Oh yeah, you get yourself like a like a white bodysuit, mm -hmm. like a leotard, you know. You get yourself some leg warmers and like the wig, because she's got that like bright red hair. Oh yeah, zombie trash would be an awesome Halloween costume. Mm -hmm. um, and the zombies have now they're breaking out of the cemetery. Yes. And spreading through the town. Mm -hmm. And Trash is the first one you see leave the cemetery. Mm -hmm. um, she like, takes out this poor homeless guy. It's like, oh. Yeah, she gets him good. I really like what they did with her too. So like, with with Trash specifically, like, when you see her reanimate, mm -hmm. you don't see her face. Oh yeah, you don't. And you actually, because she's all muddy. Uh-huh. Right? And she's sort of, like, rising up out of the mud. Um, but you can't really see her at all. Mm -hmm. The only reason you really even know it's her is because the song plays. Right. That, like, kind of signals her, the song she was dancing to. Mm -hmm. um, and then, yeah, when she is walking toward the guy, you still can't see her. Right. Because they have her in fog. It's not, be it's not until right before she attacks him. Mm -hmm. That you actually see her face. Mm -hmm. And I, I love the makeup effect of when she... And I'm I'm not even sure exactly how to describe it. When she goes to bite him, her mouth opens too wide. Yes. Right? And I, yeah. I'm not even sure how they did that or like what that effect is. Mm -hmm. But like there's this moment where her mouth... Or maybe, maybe that actress can just like un unhinge her jaw or something and like... It was just like, cool. Right. Do like, the thing. Do the thing. Um, but yeah, like she like, she opens her face like a snake to take a bite out of that guy. Yep. <laughs> mm -hmm. So things aren't looking good. They're not looking good. No. Everyone, like I said, everyone who comes in to rescue them is just like immediately eaten. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Chuck and Casey are 
locked in the medical supply and they were going to call the they were going to call the cops which of course wouldn't help because they keep sending cops and they just keep getting eaten um but the zombies managed to break in and break the phone right so they're like stuck in just the warehouse part right because tar man's in the basement yep. there's a zombie in the office mm-hmm. so they can't go anywhere no they are just they're just there decide that they probably it's probably up to them to get everybody out yeah while they're formulating this plan to get everybody out uh freddie goes a little feral in the chapel yeah a little bit he goes full zombie and he tries to eat tina mm-hmm. because oh tina Tina should not have stayed in there. Yeah, Yeah. like, ma'am, he, you were warned that you were getting locked in. Right. Yeah. No, they told her. They're like, we have to lock the door, and she's like, I'm staying. Okay. But they do come and they get her out. Mm -hmm. They throw acid in in uh, his face. Mm -hmm. When I met Tom Matthews at Motor City Nightmares, and he signed the photo for me, he signed it. If you love me, you'll let me eat your brain. Yes. And it made my little heart very happy. I love it. And he even said it too. He was like, because you know, sometimes if they, oftentimes if they are going to write something extra, they'll like clear it with you first. Right. They'll be like, I usually write this. Is that okay? Mm-hmm. Right. He's like, usually I put, if you love me, I like, if you really love me, let me eat your brain. And I was like, please write that. <laughs> 100%. I'm like, I'm a little upset at myself that I didn't think to ask you to write that. Um, but yeah, so now they've they've locked Freddy, sort of, you know, they've kind of boarded Freddy into the chapel. Right. Frank. Fucking escapes. <laughs> they don't notice. <laughs> At no point do they ever notice that Frank has left. Nope. They're so focused on Freddy mm-hmm. that Frank just like, whoop, slips right out. <laughs> now, luckily, Frank is not planning to do any harm to anyone. No. Even though... Yeah. Well, no, I guess it would have happened when the bomb went off anyway. But mm-hmm. I was saying he put more smoke into the rain. But that also would have happened when the bomb went off. Right. Um, so, right. Frank escapes and he actually has decided once he sees what's happening to Freddy, mm-hmm. decides that he doesn't want to turn into that. Um, and he goes and he puts himself in the crematorium, which there's another bit of foreshadowing here. Because when they're burning the first body, Frank leans over to Freddy and says, this is some favor. I could operate that thing. And he does. He does. Um, so Freddy's in the chapel. Frank, Frank has, is burning himself in the crematorium mm-hmm. to, keep him, to keep from hurting anybody. While they were trying to, while they were like wrestling Freddy into the chapel, um... Ernie hurts his foot. Mm-hmm. So they're like, fuck. Now he can't go anywhere. Or at least he can't go anywhere really pretty fast. So we need to get out of here. Spider and Bert decide to go get the cop car. They're going to drive it up to the door. Put Ernie and Tina in and get out of there. Right. That plan also backfires because there are just so many zombies at this point. Yeah. Yeah, they are 
very quickly overwhelmed. They make it to the cop car, though, so at least they get in there. Right. They make it to the cop car. The cop Mm -hmm. car is, like, then overrun with zombies. Bert decides that there's no way they're going to be able to get the other two into the car, Mm -hmm. which is smart. Yeah. Like, again, given the information that he had in the moment, Mm -hmm. that was the right decision. Yes. Like, they had a better chance of going to get help Mm -hmm. and then coming back for the other two rather than getting them just immediately eaten because there are all these ghouls outside. Um, unfortunately when they get, and they get out of the cemetery even. Yeah. They're like home free. And then they're like, oh shit, there's a whole wall of them there. Uh huh. (laughs) And then for some reason, uh, Bert somehow manages to crash the car into his own building. (laughs) Like crash the car. So that, the cop car is out of commission and then... (laughs) It explodes, which, like, puts his car and Frank's car out of commission. Yeah, that was... fucking love that scene. He's like, well, don't worry. There's there's my car. There's Frank's, there's car. Frank's car. We're fine. We're fine. Yeah. We have more cars. And then it's like, boom. And it's like, not anymore. <laughs> oh, that's so great. Thank you for that, Spider. Right? Spider does have some of the best lines. Mm-hmm. He's just hilarious. Um, So... And, of course, when they go into the medical supply, they find Chuck and Casey. Yes. So now, in the medical supply, you have Spider, Bert, Chuck, and Casey. Mm-hmm. They manage to get down to the basement by tricking the tar man, right? Mm-hmm. Into sort of switching places with them. Right. Where they then lock themselves in the basement. Which I wonder... I wonder if that was a little bit of an homage to Night of the Living Dead. Oh, where they I'm end sure. up, where they end up locked in the basement. Yeah, it has to be. Yeah, um, but it is. So you have, and then Ernie and Tina are stuck in the mortuary. Yes, yeah, because now they are trying to escape from right, Freddy, right, um, who is who is rapidly breaking out of his his chapel jail. Right, like he's going to come after them. Mm-hmm. And while he was blinded because they threw acid into his face and essentially melted his face. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is a great effect. Right. Uh, he's still making his way around. Yeah. he's. I mean, he'll find them eventually. Right. Um, <laughs> it is at this point that Bert finally decides to call the goddamn number on the side of the barrel. Yeah. And unfortunately, it is at this point that doing that is not going to help anymore. No. Because Colonel Glover, from his home, orders a nuclear strike yep. on Louisville, Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Not before getting information ex- on exactly what is going on. Right. That is true. That is true. Like I said, they might not have gone that extreme had they called when there was only one of them. Yep. But once they were like, you even see, like, you see him taking down the, the information and he's like, how many? Okay. <laughs> How long ago did this How start? How long ago? Why didn't you call when that happened? Oh, well, I can understand I that. I can understand that. Right. It's <laughs> great is that you don't hear Bert's side of the conversation. You only see Colonel Glover right. <laughs> giving the answers. Mm-hmm. But you know exactly what the fuck he's saying. Right. Well, because you just watched the whole movie. Right. 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 <laughs> you know what happened. You got to know this man. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah. So, he immediately orders a nuclear strike yep. on Louisville, Kentucky. 
so actually the last the last of them right like Bert, Spider, Chuck, Casey, Tina, and Ernie aren't actually killed by zombies. No, they're not. They're killed by the bomb. Yep. Because Freddy breaks into the attic where Tina and Ernie are hiding right as the bomb is going off. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no way he got to them before the bomb went off. No. <laughs> Ernie was, like, preparing to shoot Tina in the head rather than have her be I... eaten by her boyfriend. Yep. Which, like, fair enough. Fair, like might have been a mercy um but didn't have a chance because there was a nuclear warhead on the way <laughs> the idea that their solution would be not just a bomb <laughs> like there are lots of very large bombs right that are not nuclear <laughs> the idea that in 1985 yeah, like, the u.s just... military was going to nuke <laughs> they probably would have blamed the russians um <laughs> i'm sure that they had some sort of fucked up reason as to why they did that Probably, and they probably had some kind of fucked up, you know. Actually, they did. They said that it was, like, supposed to, um, when he's giving, like, the briefing to whoever he's talking to on the phone, Mm -hmm. doesn't he say that they're blaming, like, a a fire at a chemical plant or something? Oh, is that what it was? I I remember them talking about it a little bit, because I know that he was saying that the president was going to, the president's going to show up. Right, right. Brief him. Right. That yeah, but like the idea wasn't that it was a bomb. Right. The idea was that there was some kind of like industrial accident in Louisville, yep. mm-hmm. which is hilarious because if that was their plan, they should not have used a nuclear bomb because there's going to be radiation <laughs> fallout. Yeah. That's going to belie that. Mm-hmm. When like why would a random factory exploding? Is this a nuclear factory? Right. No? No. Explain further, sir. <laughs> yeah. Like, that guy's that guy's face is falling off, and we're slightly concerned as to why. Yeah. Mm. Um, so, yeah. So, you hear, the, you hear Colonel Glover on the phone with the commanding officer sort of talking about the, the cover-up is already underway. Mm-hmm. Um, and that the rain will wash everything away. Yep. <laughs> oh, sir. <laughs> which point you see the exact shot oh yes it happens again they didn't even like refilm it nope they just cut it and put it at the end as well mm-hmm. of the skeleton who has eyes coming out of the ground again yep and that's the last thing you see before mm-hmm. the credits roll yes <laughs> Do you <want> a party? <laughs> So fucking good. And it is at that point that you have had one one hell of a good time for the last 90 minutes. Yep. What a wild ride you've been on. Uh Uh-huh. So I could go on and on (laughs) about this movie, but, you know, we probably should, like, you know, end the episode at some point. I guess. Maybe someday we'll do a part two. Um, (laughs) Join us next week for another... uh, delightfully goofy we're going on a trend here we're going on a trend uh cult classic in evil dead on october 1st yeah to cut off our our month of full episodes for spooky season so it begins so it begins with evil dead as well mm-hmm. it should um until then, rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. You can follow us on Spotify. 
uh, we have a YouTube channel now where you can see our monthly videos. Go ahead and search Friday Night Frights podcast on on YouTube to find us there. Like and subscribe there as well. Um, we have our Instagram at FN Frights Podcast. Our Twitter is FN Frights Pod. Actually, like have a Twitter now. <laughs> it's like a thing. Um, we have a website at fnfrightspodcast.com. You can find us on Facebook under Fri- uh, Friday Night Frights. And then, of course, there is our Patreon, The Fright Club. And Sean, what is the first rule of Fright Club? The first rule of Fright Club is don't try to handle it yourself. People. If you cause a chemical leak. Choices. And you're given the number to call <laughs> right. in case of a fucking emergency. Maybe give it a call. Recognize what is an emergency. Yes. <laughs> and call them. Uh-huh. Because again, when there was just one, might not have gotten nuked. Yeah. Might have been killed. Let's be real. They I might mean, have been killed because yeah. you knew the secret. But they might not have gotten the entire goddamn town wiped out. Right. All of Louisville, Kentucky. Uh-huh. Like it's not even they didn't even they didn't even set this in like a small town. Like no. it's a major city. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, in this case, I mean you can kind of understand it when like people just don't know what to do. Right. But in this case it was literally printed in big letters on the side of the can. Uh-huh. And you were given the option to do so and like someone said, Hey, why don't we call that number? No. No, can't do that. Don't do that. That's... We can handle this ourselves. No. We're mad. <laughs> right. <laughs> Let's be blunt. <laughs> Let's do that survey of how often this situation is precipitated by men. <laughs> how often it's how often it's women who are like, no, we can handle this ourselves. <laughs> I feel like that doesn't happen as often. I'll own that. <laughs> as a man, I'll own it. <laughs> I'm going to point out that it's usually straight men. Almost exclusively. Yes. I can't think of one. I can't think of one where it's not. Uh (laughs) So, gays and ghouls, tune in next Friday night. You'll be in for a fright. But until then, sleep tight.